I, I, I'm out of a series. I'm not doing a series, but I'm going to do a, a brief series uh, right now. The, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our nephew and niece were visiting, and um, we were talking to our nephew and just kind of asked the question about his, his walk with the Lord. He has a great walk with the Lord. And uh, he goes to a, a church that it looks more, a little bit more like the New Testament than meeting in a big building. They meet in, sm- in homes and only in homes, and, and, uh, and they have local leaders of those homes. He used to be one. He's not right now. And so we were just asking, well, well how do you handle this and how do you handle that? And he made a, a, a statement I'd never heard before, and, it, and uh, it turns out a lot of people have thought of it before, but I was late to the party. But um, we, we asked about that, and he said, well, I used to run my life by the shouts and shalt nots. And isn't that what most Christians think? You know, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. And, and, and there's some validity to that. I mean, there, that's in there, and, and we need to see that. But he said, but I decided in relating to fellow Christians to run my life by the one another's. And it just hit me. Man, that does appear in Scripture quite often, one another. So I Googled it. You can do that, you know. I said, all, I just Googled, what are all the verses with one another in the Bible? There's a hundred of them. One hundred one another's, all right? I found that out. The word one another, that's two words in English. It's one word in Greek. And if you want to sound really smart, you pronounce that alelone is how you say that. Uh, it's kind of funny. We're not alone. We are together. But alelone uh, is, how it, uh, is how it sounds. It's a hundred times, 94 times in the New Testament uh, or in the New Testament. 47 of those uh, texts give instructions just to the followers of Jesus, his disciples. He said that to them, 47 of those. And Paul wrote 60% of them. So uh, that's pretty uh, amazing. Basically wrote almost all the rest. One third of them have to do with getting along with each other in church. Now that's pretty bad out of 100 verses. God had to tell us how to get along, you know, at least 33 times, all right? Uh, the other, another third of them commands Christians to love one another. And today is also supposed to be prayer for the persecuted church. So when I pray, we will pray for them today. Today we have brothers and sisters being persecuted. And, you know, we, we've uh, mentioned the flag, our veterans. Uh, my dad's flag from his coffin is in my office. A picture of him in his Navy uniform. Didn't know. We had a picture. One of our cousins about a year ago said, Hey, did you, do you, you have this picture of Uncle Randy in his, in his sailor suit? And he's... He's got this blue sailor suit from World War II he's in, and, and uh, we didn't have it, so she sent it to us, and we're, we're grateful for that. But, and so we want to pray for the persecuted church. I was going to say, our country is, is hurtling uh, with the rest of the world toward the end. And before the end gets here, there will be no nation on earth that honors God. We will all, uh, politically speaking, there will still be the church, but no nation at all will be recognizing uh, God in, in any way. Well, that's a third of these are about loving one another. And then not another third, but 15% of them is stresses humility and deference for one another. And I will define the word deference in the sermon in just a moment. And then there's the rest. It's just a, four of them are about kissing. <laughs> but contrary to what some contemporary Christian artists have said they are neither sloppy wet nor are they unexpected, okay? Um, 
so uh, I, I want to jump in, uh, jump into this. And today I'm going to do that first third about unity. So I have a lot of scriptures, and and I asked the ushers to make sure you got offered that piece of paper. I hope you'll write down at least the references. I, I will go ahead and give you the out. Uh, you can look up our church website, uh, CBC Stanton, and. Dot org and uh, go to the sermons and that's printed there all the scriptures that I will that I know that I will say today will be in there uh, sometimes they come to me up here and they're not there so um, I just want to let you know that but I want you to take notes I, I want you when you come to church I mean think about it. you come to church hoping to hear a message from God that's going to radically change your life and you have no way to write it down or record it you know so I, I want to make sure that was easy for you to do so you have a piece of paper hopefully and there's only one thing, we're going to be talking about unity, there's only one thing within the church more important than unity, and that is truth. If you're not united in the truth, then that's not a unity. Uh, we would rather be divided by truth than be together in error. But after truth, unity is the most important concept in the New Testament, is the most talked about concept in the Bible together. And in fact, I like this statement. I teach it in the new members class. Any attitude that causes disunity is sin. And so the statement I want you to take home with you today is this. Unity is more than just sitting together in church. Now, I, I, I threatened to come out this morning and stand up and say, if you're sitting by someone you know, as a husband and wife, that's fine. But if you as a husband and wife are sitting by another husband and wife you know, get up and go with, sit with somebody you don't know. Because <laughs> y'all been coming two different services and you don't know each other. So part of this is, hey, we got to get to know new people. So you might uh, go and introduce yourself to someone and find out they've been here for five years and you didn't know it. Uh, or, or it might be a guest, but either way, it'll be good. But I, I want you to do that. But unity is more than us just sitting together. Unity is when... We come together, uh, bring all our various talents and abilities and gifts from the Lord and work together as the body of Christ, just as my body has many parts, so that does the body of Christ, to bring about God's glory. And if we're not united in that, you will fail. You will lose. It would be uh, like someone whose brain doesn't fire right and, and the body can't cooperate with itself. Um, and let me give you a couple verses for that statement, and then I'm going to pray. 2 John 4, the Apostle John wrote this, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. So he wants us to walk in truth. God wants us to walk in truth. Uh, just this morning I was reading when uh, Jesus said about the truth, and Pilate said, what is truth? And he didn't let... Jesus answering, because Jesus said, I answered that question. Jesus would say, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And so Jesus is the truth. But there's another verse that I want you to hear, and it's about unity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And it's Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I'm going to read verse, part of the first verse and the end of it. Because the part of the first verse says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. And guess what the last one is, the seventh one. He who sows discord among brethren. If you are in a church and you are the reason people are getting stirred up, you are in sin and in rebellion against God. That's it's totally against what God wants you to do and wants you to be. Because he wants us to be together. He wants us to be unified. Our choir sings in unison 
uh, not in unison, but in harmony. Uh, the harmonies come together, and it's a united song, but it has many parts. And so, that is a good metaphor to remember how we are. We're all different. And so, the Bible gives us instructions how we can like people that are different than us. How we can get along even though we are different. It, it, it's tough to get along with people that are different than you. And here's a hint. Everybody's different than you. And so it's hard to get along with everybody. You have, to, you have to figure that out. So there's choices you have to make. So would you pray with me as we begin this morning? Lord God, we thank you that you, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have been united since before time began. You be, you, eternally in the past, the three are one and the one are three. And so it is so dramatic, Lord Jesus, when you put on flesh and died on a cross. And in that moment, experience separation from the Father. Because that wasn't supposed to ever happen. But Lord, we thank you that as you did that in obedience to the Father's command, you paid for my sin and for the sins of all people once for all. And we pray now that, Lord, we would, that your Holy Spirit, who was able to come because of what you did on the cross, who can open the ears of the deaf and open the eyes of the blind, would open our blind eyes and our deaf ears, that we might hear what you have to say, we might see what it is you've told us, and so that in Jesus' name, Lord, we will know your uh, desires, that we would obey them. Give us the courage to obey what you tell us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we begin this, I just want to first say, here, here's Satan's strategy. Satan wants to keep us divided. Because if he can divide people, then you, you will never get anything good done if, you, if you're divided. So Satan's strategy is to divide Christians at all costs. He'll do anything to, to divide us. Satan always hates Christian fellowship. Fellowship, again, is not us just being together. Fellowship is when we encourage one another in the faith. Now, I'll give you some things you might say to someone to help encourage them. You see a brother or sister this week, ask them a question like, hey, what did God say to you in your quiet time this morning? Or you might say, what, what in your life are you praying about right now? I'd love to pray with you. You might say to them, uh, hey, what book in the Bible are you reading currently? Uh, you know, these are tough questions. But if I know you're going to ask those of me, that's going to help me do them, right? It makes me accountable. It'll help me out. And we become together when I honestly say, you know what? I'm not reading anywhere. And, the, and then I say, well, you know what? Neither am I. Let's commit to read this book together right? Even if you're not doing it, ask somebody. You might find a partner that'll read a Bible book with you and pray with you. I'm smiling. Y'all are not. You're scaring me, all right? All right? That can happen, you know. Uh, it, might, it might happen. And Satan loves to divide us, and we give him strength when we're divided. We, we just lend strength to the other team, and it can be over small things. Uh, there, there's a story back when all churches sang out of hymn books, and, and some still do, I'm sure, but uh, we don't. We use electronics, put words up there. And for, for the longest time, this church had read hymn books. Well, they got worn out, and new hymn books came out, so they bought some new hymn books, but the hymn books were blue. And they didn't like it because they're not red. And somebody said, it doesn't matter. And they said, yes, it does. So they put the red hymn books on one side of the church and the blue hymn books on the other side, and when they announced the song, they said, if you have a red hymn book, it's number so-and-so. If you have a blue hymn book, it's number so-and-so. Same song, supposed to be singing about the joy and the love of God. 
And they're mad at each other over the cover color of a book. You say, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's true. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one of us to our own way. And we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. And that's why God had to lay the sin of all of us on Christ that he took to the cross. In Ephesians 4, 3, the Bible says this. We should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's actually coming after, or, uh, just, uh, after a phrase of one another. We'll get back to the one another part. And so when what we know is how we treat one another impacts how other people see us. It impacts how other people view our witness. If God can't get us to get along, who are redeemed and then supposedly in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, being spoken to by the Holy Spirit as we open his word and read it, and, and walking in the spirit, as it says in Galatians 5, that, that we walk in the spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, why would we be fighting? Well, it's because we're not doing those things. And so, let me give you some of Satan's tools that are in the one another's, that so, in other words, these are negative one another's. Don't do this to one another because this is what the devil wants you to do. First of all, we grumble. Y'all know what grumble is? It's not, a, it's not a bumble. I don't know. Dr. Seuss used that word somehow. But, but to grumble means this. To utter sounds or words indistinctly with a low voice and with lips partly closed. To murmur complainingly or angrily. That's the definition of a coward, by the way. He won't speak up and says what he, what's on his mind. But people grumble. All right, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. And they're just grumbling. Like, speak up, man. Say it if you're going to say it. Let's get it on the table. Let's take care of it. James 5, 9 says, do not grumble against one another, brothers. Did you hear that? Do not grumble against one another, brothers. I don't like the way he did that. I don't like the way he taught that lesson. I don't like... I don't like the way Pastor Stewart dressed in the baptistry this morning. He's wearing a bathing suit and a t-shirt. I do that every time. Just usually cover it with a robe. You know, I went from waders, which the water got inside those anyway, to just putting on a bathing suit and t-shirt and putting on a robe. And the robe was just kind of felt weird. So I said, I'm going to quit feeling weird. I'm going in there with a t-shirt today. It said Calvary on it. I mean, doesn't that count for anything? I just thought I'd go ahead and address that before anybody started having a meeting about it. When we destroy one another, when we, just, when we ruin somebody's, uh, what people think about somebody. So many times, you know, the, the most exercise a lot of people get are jumping to conclusions. And so people will get a little bit of information, they'll jump to a conclusion, they'll spread that. They'll tell everybody as if it were a fact. And, and, and so we'll destroy one another. Galatians 5.15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. You ever heard of a Christian cannibal? Well, Galatians 5.15 says they exist. We bite and devour and consume each other. And the Bible tells us not to do that when we destroy someone, when we don't give them love and don't give them encouragement, don't give them help, and we're destroying them. We're destroying their spirit and their, and their fortitude. That's just, it's wrong. In fact, Hebrews 10, and I didn't write this one down, but in Hebrews 10 it says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the practice of some is, but to get together to encourage one another, motivate one another to love and good works. And we do that when we come together. Third thing, when we are envious, and, and let me define that word because we think we know what it means, and, but I want to make sure we do. Painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. 
joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. I've been in church and somebody got a new car. And they said, hey, guess what? We got a new car. And they, there's our new car. Somebody would say, can't hide money. Can't live in luxury. I guess you can ride in it. You're just saying envious things. You envy. Instead of going, praise the Lord. God bless you so much you can do that. Hallelujah. I know that God's going to bless you as you use that car for his glory, bringing people to church, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or going to a mission field. Galatians 5.26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here's how it works in church a lot of times. Somebody have a spiritual gift you don't have, and you're like, man, I wish I had that. Why? God gifted you the way he wanted to gift you. Use what God gave you to his glory. And if you need more, he'll give you more. But if you're not even using what you already got and you're spending all your energy looking at what other people have and wishing you had what they have, and you're not using what God gave you to use, you're never going to get anywhere, man. That's called being stuck in the mud right there. You're going to need some help getting pulled out of that. And so let's not be envious of one another. Let's rejoice, man. Praise the Lord. I praise the Lord when people use their, their singing ability because I don't have it. I mean, I can sing, but you don't want to listen, all right? And, and so I'm, I, just get, I just love it when someone that uses a, a beautiful ability to sing sings for the glory of the Lord and it blesses my heart or any other thing. I just use that as an example. When we repay evil for evil, this is a... This is about the fourth thing I'm going to say. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 15. See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. God tells us to try to bless everybody. Just be a blessing to everybody. It would help. It would help you when you're driving down the road. I can tell you that. You say, I'm going to bless them instead of curse them. And you're in the grocery store and it's crowded. I get frustrated, you know. I, 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 I act patient, but sometimes I'm not patient. And it just gets frustrating, and so I have to calm myself down. And sometimes people turn around and say, I'm so sorry. I, you know, because they, they, they're not being mean. They just, it's crowded. They just, it's got to do their business. I go, that's okay. Lord loves you. Lord loves me. You can just say anything, you know. Encourage them. But when we repay evil for evil, somebody does you dirty and you want to get them back. Like, leave that up to God. He knows, this, he knows everything. And when we complain about one another, this is the fifth one, and this is all the ones under this particular topic. James 4.11, do not speak evil against one another, brethren. Don't speak evil. Don't, don't, don't glorify somebody's faults to someone else because you're poisoning two people when you do that. Well, three, because you're poisoning yourself. You're poisoning yourself. You're poisoning the person who is struggling. You're poisoning the person you tell because you cause them to have negative uh, thoughts or evil thoughts towards someone else. So we have to not do that. Well, what is Christ's strategy for us to be united? These are ways Satan can bust up unity. How does Christ bring unity? Well, first of all, he says, be at peace with one another. Mark 9, 50, salt is good, but salt's lost its saltiness. How will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. What does that, that metaphor teach us? That what is salt good for? It's good for salt, being salt. And, and back then they'd use it as a preservative. And we use it to enhance the flavor of food. God calls the Christian to enhance 
uh, the, the society. That's why as Christians, we ought to vote. We ought to do all the things that we have an opportunity to, opportunity to do in this country. It's a unique opportunity in all of history, the first time in history that we could do that. And so as Christians, we ought to be salt in our community. We ought to be telling people about Christ. But when we can't do that, what does the Bible go on to say in this passage? That we're not good for anything but just throw out into be pavement for people to walk on. He says, and be at peace with one another. In our saltiness, it doesn't mean us to be bitter with one another. It means to be flavorful, to be a preservative, to help each other get through. And so to do that, we got to be at peace with one another. Peace is a choice. It's, it's not a circumstance. It's a choice. You can choose peace. And then... The Bible tells us to have a unity of mind. Romans 12.6 and Romans 15.5 says this. 12.6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, uh, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. We put those verses together to say we have a unity in thought. The Bible says in Philippians, don't have the same mind that is in Christ. And what is that? To serve one another. We go to Romans 13, I mean John 13, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And you line it up with the passage in Philippians that says, Have this mind in you that was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought equality with God, not something to be held on to, but humbled himself to, to become a, a man. And in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself to become a servant. And Jesus in John 13, he did the lowest job of any servant in washing the disciples' feet. And the Bible says when he got done, he stopped and got back in his seat. And he said, do you understand what I just did? What I just did, you go do. You serve one another. You empty yourself of pride and position and power and arrogance. And you serve. And Romans 15, 5 says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in this kind of harmony with one another. And then we need to accept one another. I, I think we, we struggle here a lot. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Oh, we'll, we'll smile, we'll be nice, but do we really want to love people? Do we really want to accept them? Because after all, all of you are different than me. And all of us are different than you. It's a wonder people can stay married because we're different. And so there are some people that say, well, we ought to be the same. But God says, no, rejoice in the difference. Why? Because if both of you are the same, one of you is unnecessary. Right? God gave your mate different gifts to help you in grace to be more like Jesus. So we need to accept one another into our fellowship. What if there had not been a Barnabas? We would not have had a Paul. Give deference. And I'll tell you, I define this word. It means to respect and esteem someone, or respect and esteem due to a superior or an elder. We had a, a, a colonel up here speaking about the military, and anyone under him had to give him deference and had to salute him when they saw him in uniform. But guess what? When you're a higher ranking officer and a lesser rank salutes you, you have to salute back. Chesty Puller, most decorated Marine, came across a, a young private saluting a lieutenant in the rain like this over and over. So he stopped, got out, and said, what are you doing? 
And the lieutenant said, I passed him and he did not salute me. And so I'm making him salute me a thousand times. He said, yes, and you must return every salute. Get to it. <laughs> we give deference to each other, right? We, we give this respect no matter, no matter who they are. And notice in the definition it says, or ingra- uh, ingratiating regard for someone else's wishes. In other words, you go, hey, you know, let's do it your way. That's fine. You, you ingratiate yourself to them when you give deference. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. So then, brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. When I, when I was a kid, I've, I've been a diabetic since I was seven. And back when I just took shots, I've got to pump all that now. No time to get into that. But I had to eat at certain times. I go to family reunion, and the Eaton family reunion was a big reunion. We had a lot of people show up. This was, this was a bunch of Irish Catholics, so they had a lot of kids, right? And uh, we just happened to be the Baptist branch of it, okay? But, but the rest of them were drunk Irish Catholics. So there was a ton of them. But boy, when I was growing up, a kid waited until the adults got fed. And I had to get some food. My mom would get in line. But I, I, still, I still feel like I don't want to get in front of anybody in a, in a food line. I, I want to give deference. It, why? Because that's how I was taught as a kid. But the Bible tells us to do that. Wait on one another. No, you go first. You take it. I saw, I saw someone do that. I, I don't have time to go to that, that illustration. But we can do that. Tolerate. That means to allow to be or to be done without prohibition, hindrance, or contradiction. Tolerate one another. In other words, you don't have to like it. You just got to do it. You just got to love them anyway. You wouldn't have any friends if people didn't overlook your idiosyncrasies. So why don't you look over theirs? Ephesians 4, 2 to 3 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When people get married, they think their mate is perfect. There's no flaw in them. Years later, they discover differently. And they forget that love Hid the difference. Because they were the same person when you married them. Be forgiving with one another. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And then the last one is this, to confess and pray for one another. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And that gets back to that fellowship thing I was talking about at the beginning. You ought to be able to say to me without fear that I'm going to tell anybody, talk ill of you, be evil towards you. You ought to be able to say to me as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian, as a brother, hey, I'm struggling here. Would you pray with me? I remember one time a a lady came up to my wife and said, I'm struggling. I'm struggling and having my quiet time with the Lord. And and this person was struggling. They, they, They wanted to get away from the Lord, but they wanted to, but they didn't want to. And every morning, I think it was like 5, 5.30, my wife would call her and say, okay, let's open the Bible, let's get to it, and would encourage her in that way. We, we ought to do that for one another. Confess your sins and pray for one another. 
We ought to be able to confess to one another, man, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Well, how can you apply this sermon this week? It's not really a sermon. I just read a bunch of Bible to you. That's, that's the best sermon, right? If you ever, next time, look up an old Billy Graham sermon and write down every scripture he says. You'll find out about 75, 80% of his sermon was quoting Bible. Are you promoting unity or division in the church? I, I knew a man, he was the third down in power from Richard Nixon in the White House. His name was Harry Dent. He was a lawyer from near Columbia, South Carolina, two law degrees. He came to Bible college because God called him to ministry, but he'd gone to a retreat and the teacher said, we have this need in the world to see people come to Christ. Are you part of the problem or part of the solution? And he stood up and he said, for my entire life, I've been part of the problem. But by God's help from this time forward, I'll be part of the solution. It was an invitation time. He interrupted the meeting to do that. So I, I just wonder, are you promoting unity or division? By your actions, by your attitudes, by what you do, what you say? What, what side are you on? There's only two sides, the Lord's and the devil's. It's, you're not on some person's side, speaking of humans. You're either on the Lord's side or the devil's side. And the Lord's side is, if they're believers, say, well, what about people that aren't really saved? Well, Jesus had something to say to that. He said, leave them alone. Angels take care of that, the judgment. Don't worry about it. They'll, go get the, they'll, they'll get the tares out of there then. Don't worry about that right now. And so we ought to promote unity as much as possible. If you are a grumbler, a gossiper, you say, I want gossiping, it was the truth. That's gossip. If you're envious or a complainer, now's the time to repent. Today, right now. When we go to pray, you ought to say, Lord, I've been guilty of these things. From this moment on, I will not be anymore. And thirdly, I would say, in order to have unity, we must bear with one another in love. There's, there's nothing else we can do. We've got to bear with one another in love. Because... It's the second most important thing in the Bible. Truth is the most important. God's word is truth. So we can, we can get together and open the word and say, well, what does the word say? And we can figure out what the truth is. But the unity he's put on our shoulders, that that's a job we've got to do. We've got to be unified with one another. Would you pray with me? Lord God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Lord, this is not an easy word because it, it, it hits us in our humanity, it hits us where we are still prone to sin because we, we feel that, Lord. It's easy to be a grumbler, complainer. It doesn't take any effort or strength to whine and to complain about what we don't like. We've got whole big industries built around people just wanting to say their opinion and grumble and complain. We call it Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And it does not help. It only hurts, it kills, it destroys. And Satan uses tools like that. But he just uses us with, as we bump into one another to tear down and destroy. That is the goal of the enemy. Your goal is to build up this building, this body of Christ, using every brick to cry out the glories of God. And as you build us together, Lord, you're building a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit. And we can't wait to see that finished product in heaven when all the saints of all time are together praising God around the throne, giving glory to the Lamb who turns and gives glory to the Father because the Holy Spirit has been our security and brought us there. 
So Lord, today as we pray, as we've heard from your word, a lot of verses, but just all the, a lot of verses about being together. Lord, may we desire your truth and your love above all else. Lord, you prayed there in, in the book of John that we would be one as you and the Father are one and that we would know the glory of God through you and that we would have fellowship with the Father and with one another. And so, Lord, if we're not having fellowship with you, we're not going to have fellowship with one another. So, Lord, help us today to obey. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. God may be saying something to you that had nothing to do with anything I said. But you know God is speaking to your heart. This altar is open. You can come pray. We'd be glad to pray with you. I'm going to come stand there at the front. If you're in the condition that you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never bowed the knee to Jesus and said yes then I encourage you, please come talk to me. Say, I, I need to know Christ. I want to know Jesus.